It's Monday, August 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today. Back from the Big Easy, it's Bill Mann. Good to see you. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm caffeinated and I'm ready to tackle this week. Uh, we have a surprising buy from Berkshire Hathaway. We've got a clerical error for the ages, but we're going to start with JD.com. Second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected for China's largest online retailer. And active customer accounts for JD.com up 30% year over year. That is, that is impressive. What's more impressive is when you think 30% year over year increase, if you're talking about something that starts at 1,000 and ends up at 1,300, that's impressive. But when you go to 417 million active customers, I mean, in some ways, in some ways, China, the numbers in China almost feel like cheat codes, right? Like, like the numbers just don't even feel real. It's like someone typed in an extra comma or another zero or whatever. Yeah, 417 million active customers. And you could see this coming. We've talked a lot about JD.com and how aggressive they were at setting up their own infrastructure over the last few years and how they have supported both their customers. And also, they opened up very quickly, almost like a Shopify-type network throughout the country. And people have gone to it like gangbusters. So, JD.com is it's an incredible company. It's an I'm, absolutely incredible company. I'm glad you mentioned the investments they made, because we, when you just look at how the stock is, and the stock's up a you know a couple of percentage points today, it's up around 70% year to date. But when you back that out, the previous year and a half, basically from mid-2018 to the end of last year, the stock is basically flat. You know this company a lot better than I do. I was looking at that chart and thinking, I'm wondering if that year and a half where the stock basically didn't go anywhere was them, sorry to compare them to Amazon, but just thinking of the years in which you know Bezos would just come out you know, every quarter and basically be like, we're making investments, we're making investments. Yeah. And uh, it seems like the investments JD.com has been making are really paying off right now. They really are. And one of the interesting things, JD.com has an absolutely fascinating backstory. It started out as a, as a physical property place where people could go and buy electronic equipment, cables, and things of that nature. And they lost 95% of their business when SARS hit China. They had almost nothing online. And the CEO, Richard Leo, realized that online was the wave of the future. And so, he wanted to harden his company against future problems. So, they got rid of almost all of their business and went all online. And they did so during an epidemic. And so, they were ready for this. I mean, they, 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 they absolutely were, were, were ready for this. And these results are, I mean, you're exactly right. It's almost like English Ivy, like it hangs out for a while and then boom, it takes over everything. JD.com has hung out for a while and boom, it is taking over everything. Shares of Barrick Gold are up 10% this morning after a filing with the SEC revealed that Berkshire Hathaway has taken a $560 million stake in the company. 
this is a $50 billion company, so it's not yeah. like Berkshire Hathaway has taken an enormous stake percentage-wise. They're not taking but, it private, right? <laughs> right. But for decades, for decades, Warren Buffett has not been shy about the fact that he's not a fan of gold. And I know that given Berkshire Hathaway's cash balance and this investment, it is entirely possible that Ted or Todd was the one behind this. Yeah. It is still surprising to see this investment. It is a little surprising to see the investment. I really don't want to overstate the importance, though, because although $500 million is a lot of money, that's less than 1% of the, you know, of the kitty that, uh, that Berkshire Hathaway has to invest. It's not a whole lot of money. It is symbolic. And I think that I think that the symbolism is more this than everything else. And Warren Buffett has actually talked about this in the past. To him, an investment in gold isn't a hedge against the economy. It's not a hedge against inflation. It's a hedge against disaster. That's what investing in gold is, and specifically in gold investing in gold miners, it's in some ways a hedged investment against disaster. So I I don't want to read too much into this because it's not a you know if they'd put 20% of their money into in, in into gold that would mean something. But yeah, it is a huge about face for Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. And I don't care whether it was Warren or the other two who made this investment. It's still a big statement. Last week uh, on the show, uh, Barker and I were talking about Berkshire Hathaway's second quarter results. Uh, you know, the, the to the extent that there was a highlight, it was the stock buyback, which still, compared to the 140 billion they've got in cash, was was not that enormous. Yeah, five billion think? shares bought back. Yeah, five billion dollar dollars worth of shares. Yeah, five billion but, shares would be a lot. Five billion shares would be a lot. What, what do you think is going on at Berkshire Hathaway? Are you are you at all wondering why they're not deploying more cash? Joe Mager was on Motley Fool Money last week. I mean, it was pretty clear that he was mystified. Is probably overstating it, but he was you know he he was sort of scratching his head that they weren't more opportunistic back in May and or March and April. Um, what do you think is going on? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Joe in some to some degrees. And it, Warren Buffett actually talked about this, and it was you know when we talked about it in March, and everyone's like, "Is this going to be a V-shaped recovery or a K-shaped recovery or whatever?" In some ways, the stock market moved too quickly for Warren Buffett to really deploy. I mean, if you recall, it hit the bottom in on March 18th and has been almost a straight line up since. So, in some ways, I think it was a function of those large amounts of money, the 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 huge amount of money that he has to invest. It all happened too fast. You know, maybe there's an old person joke to be put put in here, but it all happened way too fast uh, for him to be able to react. But that doesn't mean that that Warren Buffett loves looking at a two hundred billion dollar cash pile and feels great about it. He wants to deploy it. So at any point, he's going to be putting that money to places that he thinks is a better use than cash. And so that's why I think you saw the buybacks, and that's why I think you saw you know you 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 saw them putting a little bit of money into Barrick. It's why you saw them selling out of Goldman Sachs, uh, selling out of the airlines. So. Yeah, they actually. For someone who says that he is a you know the ultimate long term investor, he does actually transact quite a bit. 
If you've made a mistake at work recently, this next story might make you feel a little better. <laughs> uh, Revlon, the cosmetics company, has been struggling lately, so Revlon has taken out a bunch of loans from various lenders. Last week, someone in the loan operations department at Citigroup accidentally wired $900 million to those various lenders, seemingly on behalf of Revlon, Citigroup has now told the lenders that they made a clerical error. That's the quote. A clerical Turns error. Turns out. <laughs> and they would like the $900 million back, please. Pretty, pl- pretty please. And some of the lenders have basically said, nah, I don't know that we're going to do that because <laughs> we weren't sure we were going to get the money back from Revlon given all their struggles. And this is... <laughs> Look, the Citigroup isn't really commenting more on what actually happened here. This is one of those stories. I hope we get to the bottom of it someday. I hope uh, I'm not looking to hang someone out to dry. I'm sure, you know, again, if you've ever made a mistake at work and you feel bad about it, well, imagine being what. the person responsible for the $900 million transfer of money that might not come back. One of the biggest clerical issue uh, m- mistakes in history, I would love. I mean, if you feel bad for because it it really was some back office person who sent this out. So some some non you know captain of universe, non bonfire of the vanities, you know uh, destroyer of worlds who did this. But the screams in headquarters, the Zoom call must be amazing. Uh, what what happened? Yeah, and so Brigade Capital, Symphony Asset Management, these are companies that have made huge bridge loans to uh, to, to Revlon, and they are owed the money. So, to right, they are they are owed the money. So what Citigroup has done has turned a YP into an MP. This used to be your problem, and it is now my problem. And I think the real interesting thing is what level of seniority. Citigroup has to even get this money back because they have no agreement with Revlon. They are not a lender to Revlon. They're just someone who, for whatever reason, has decided to help. And um, yeah, it's it is it is an incredible story. I nine hundred million dollars. Let's let's say this. It's a lot. It, it, not only is it a lot. It is more than twice the market cap of Revlon itself. And, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, like imagine it's a bad if, investment. <laughs> right. Imagine if instead the news was Citigroup is buying a financially troubled cosmetics company. You know, that's a head scratcher, but at least from Citigroup's standpoint, they'd have the asset of the cosmetics. They don't even get the stock. They don't get the stock. They don't get the brand. They don't get the mascara. So a Bloomberg columnist said, uh, this is what the investors asked for. They wanted their loan to be paid off. (laughs) I. I feel I feel bad for the person who actually did this. The person who made the mistake literally made a mistake, but that mistake has nine digits in it, close to 10. And 
that's that's going to be a problem. And for the ba- and, and the banks and Citigroup, I don't I don't want to overstate the level of risk that this puts them under. But the lending environment for them has been horrific this year because they don't know what businesses are actually you know deeply in distress, which ones you know are are trying to borrow money because. Rates are so you know historically low. Uh, you saw last week that the Ball Corporation borrowed money at literally at zero percent. Um, so it's been a tough time for the banks to actually make loans and 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 to do the business of lending. And those nine hundred million dollars of capital, they really really matter, even to a company, a bank as big as Citigroup. Citigroup did about $74, $75 billion in revenue for yeah. uh, 2019. So, you're, you know, you're looking at just north of 1% of that. So, yeah, I mean, Citigroup's going to survive this, but holy cow. It's, I mean, it's just... Uh, Are you now? I know you. I, I know you don't spend a whole lot of time excited to, to uh, you know, to to learn about banks. Like banks are not the area that you know that that curl your hair in the morning. Can you imagine? I am not missing this next qu- this next quarterly call for anything. Because <laughs> oh yeah, gonna- <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 definitely going to be. You know, someone. Uh, They'll, they'll come out with their results. The first few <laughs> questions from analysts will be about those results. And then someone, and maybe there's, in the, you know, in this universe of banking analysts on Wall Street, there's, if not a betting pool, there's almost like a pool of money that's like, all right, Jim, you, you know, we'll all put in 50 bucks. And whoever asks the question, who's going to be the, the one? Money. Are they going to try and come up with a new metric like earnings before uh, income tax, amortization, and stupidity like yeah. EBITDAS or EBITDAM and mistake? Yeah, this is this is mistake adjusted. Well, was it was it uh, was it SoftBank that just came out with the note that uh, I saw this in Tim Hansen's Twitter feed? They had the um, the metric uh, free cash outflow. And Hanson was like, wait, free cash? What? What? <laughs> what, what is, free cash outflow? That sounds What does like, that even mean? That, does, yeah, that I, sounds I good. It, I think it was in reference to uh, SoftBank's investment in WeWork. And so, they're, you know, they're trying, to, they're trying to put the nicest possible phrasing around it. It's like, oh, yeah. They pulled out that cash. lipstick. Well, this was, in fact, a free cash outflow. So, I bet you Citigroup, yeah, looking yeah. at this going, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. We're not even so, making we're not even making this up. <laughs> someone in the communications department is, is saying, "Look, I'm just saying that's not the worst phrase in the world to use right. if we have to talk about this more." Uh, Bill, man, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Good to see you, Chris. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.